Thanks, Pastor Marvin. All right. It is exciting to hear about the ways that uh, we get the privilege of partnering with people around the world in that way. And uh, this morning, we're going to uh, open up God's Word to Mark chapter 10. So if you get your Bible, I invite you to open to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to start by reading um, a section from there. So if you this, we want to turn there now. I'm going to read a fairly lengthy section of Scripture this morning, Mark 10, 35 to 52. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can. Uh, there should be one in the chair rack just below you or right near you. And if you use a chair rack Bible, it should be about page 846 in your chair rack Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, then please consider that our gift to you. Take that Bible home with you and let it be your own. Uh, we believe that God speaks through his word. We want everybody to have a copy of God's word. And so if you don't have one, please let that be our gift to you today. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 35. We're picking up at a place in the life of the ministry of Jesus, um, a little bit in the middle, towards uh, the middle of his ministry on earth. And he is uh, walking with some of his disciples, his followers, and a couple of them, you're going to hear their names right in the beginning. Their names are James and John. These are two of the followers and disciples of Jesus, uh, of the 12 disciples that were following him. So Mark chapter 10, verse 35, here's what it says. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or be baptized with the baptism with, it, with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. 
And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Lord, God, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we recognize that this is your word. We've heard it with our ears. Now help us to hear it with our hearts. Help us to listen to what you and your spirit were desire to say to us today. Father, help us to sit under your word, not over it. Lord, to conform our lives to what you would have to say to us today. Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit to move among us, to say to each individual person what you desire to say to us today. Father, may these words be your words. May what I say, Lord, be from you. And anything I say that is not from you, let it go by the wayside and be forgotten. Lord, let your word speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James and John and Bartimaeus both got Jesus' attention, but with very different approaches. James and John were so familiar with Jesus that they could walk right up to him, tap him on the shoulder, and say something as bold as, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Pretty bold. Perhaps that's why Jesus nicknamed James and John the Sons of Thunder. They were bold. I mean, it's a little like some of your parents know what it's like. Like it's when your kids walk up to you and say, Daddy, do whatever I want. Whatever I say, you need to say yes to me, okay? Anyone ever had that experience? And you know at that moment you're probably going to say no to whatever comes next. But they prep you for it, right? This is James and John. They're coming up to Jesus. They got his attention. They do whatever we ask. And Jesus, perhaps more patient than some of us as parents, responds to them with a question. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Their response to this question is equally as bold. He says, they say, grant us to sit on your right and on your left. And here's what they're asking. They're saying to him, we know you're coming into glory. We know you're coming into a kingdom. We know that as a king, you're going to sit on a throne. And if you're on a throne, there's going to be seats around you. And we want the ones that are closest to you. 
We want the one on the right and we want the one on the left. We want the seats of power next to the seat of power. That's what they're saying. They're saying we want that. And Jesus tells them they don't know what they're asking. He asks, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And to you and me, that might sound confusing, and we're not sure what that means, but they knew exactly what it meant. To, to take a cup that God offers or a baptism that God offers was to receive an allotment from God and almost always a difficult one, a burden, suffering. You may remember when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross, what were his words to the Father? His words were, Father, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering, if there's another way. And so he says to these two, he says, are you able to drink this cup? Are you able to receive this baptism? And thinking that maybe he's ready to grant their request, they, 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 they respond, we are, we, we can do it, no problem. Jesus says, you will. You will drink the cup I drink. You will receive the baptism I receive. It's not the exact same. Jesus took on himself the sins of the world, and they certainly didn't do that. But the suffering and the persecution, Jesus is saying, you will experience that. But he denies their request. He says no. He says, even though you'll drink the cup I drink and the baptism I'm baptized with, the thrones or the, the seats on my right or left are not mine to give. They're only for the Father to give. So he denies their request. He says no. The other 10 disciples, when they overhear James and John, you can imagine how that went. The Bible says they were indignant at what Jesus, at what they had asked Jesus. And, and I mean, just imagine with me how that conversation might have gone between these other 10. Perhaps Peter's there and Peter's pretty bold himself and you could perhaps see him going, can you believe these two? I mean, come on, I got out of the boat, I walked on water and they think they're gonna get to sit beside Jesus? And then maybe Thaddeus, you know, speaks up and he's like, yeah, well, you sank, so... You know, maybe not you, maybe me. And then maybe Bartholomew speaks up. And what about me? Maybe I should be sitting in one of those thrones. You know, and then maybe Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas, you know, says, Bartholomew, come on. 2,000 years from now, there'll be people sitting in a room in Burlington, Massachusetts, who will just be learning that your name is one of the 12 disciples. <laughs> and on and on it would go. But then Jesus calls for silence and he speaks to his disciples. He tells them that the kingdom of God is not about lording power over people. It's about serving. And he says, whoever wants to be the greatest must be the greatest servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone. And then he says of himself, for even the son of man, which is a term referring to Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He tells his disciples, he tells James and John no to their request, and he tells them the reason is because I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And then they keep going toward Jerusalem, 
where Jesus said he would be killed. And coming out of Jericho, there's this blind man sitting there, Bartimaeus. He didn't have the access to Jesus that James and John did. He had to go a different approach. He starts screaming and calling out and yelling when he hears it's Jesus. And he yells out, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tries to shut him up, tells him to be quiet, but Jesus calls him to himself. And he, interestingly enough, asks the exact same question that Jesus asked James and John. In fact, if you look at the original Greek, you can see in Mark 10.36 when he's talking to James and John, and then in Mark 10.51, we have the exact same phrasing. One ends in the first person plural you, and the second ends in the you singular, but it's the same phrasing. What do you want me to do for you? And he asked it to James and John, and he asks it to Bartimaeus in these two instances and accounts of Jesus' life right after each other. Funny how the crowd and the disciples saw the disciples and the blind man probably very differently, but Jesus saw them very much the same. He asked the same question to them. They both got his attention. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus says, I want to recover my sight. Jesus did it, and he told them his faith had made him well. Different approaches, same access, same question to both, and very different answers. To one, Jesus says, no, I won't grant that request. To another, he says, yes, he heals him. I want to look at this, these two instances through the lens of prayer this morning, because I think this is prayer. Prayer... Uh, prayer is very much asking God. When you go to prayer, God is asking you in many ways, what do you want me to do for you? At Mount Hope, one of the things we believe is that prayer is powerful and effective, and so we want to make prayer not our last resort, but our first priority. And very much prayer, in a sense, is God coming to you and saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Different approaches, different answers, but I want to suggest to you this morning that each story God answers leads to the same result. That his answer to James and John and his answer to Bartimaeus actually leads to the same result. Let me start with this. When you pray, Expect Jesus to ask, what do you want me to do for you? And maybe I can ask it a different way because I want you to consider this question throughout this whole message. And before you leave today, I want you to answer. I want you to be able to answer the question. What is your response to that question? If Jesus were standing before you today and he simply said, what do you want me to do for you? What would your answer to that question be? What would your answer to that? You don't have to shout it out, <laughs> but that's okay if you want to share. What, what do you, what, what's your answer to that? We should all have an answer to that question. I think this is the greatest question you could ever be asked. There's some great questions. Questions are helpful, right? I read a book last year called Wait What? Um, by, written by a man who's a dean at Harvard, and, and he 
he said, you know, there's some, he, he listed five great questions you could ask. And the first one was, wait, what? Now, that's a good question. You know, wait, stop, clarify. What are you talking about? Wait, what? That's one I've tried to use. That's a good question to ask. He said, some other great questions to ask are, I wonder why. I wonder why that is. Another one is, I wonder if. I wonder if. Another question he, he said is, couldn't we at least? You know, we can't do everything, but couldn't we at least? And these are great questions that open up conversation that kind of get at things. But maybe another book needs to be written. That is, what's the greatest question anyone could ever ask you? And I think that would be, what do you want me to do for you? But it depends who's asking it, right? Because if the president of the United States, for example, is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Your answer is probably going to be different than if the president of your high school student union is asking, what do you want me to do for you? It's different, right? I mean, president of the United States, you might be like, well, I've got some political prisoners that I want, you know, I'd like to see set free. President of your high school student council, you might be, I want Pringles in the vending machine. But if God asks you, what's your answer? The creator of all the universe, the God of it all, standing before you saying, what do you want me to do for you? This is the question that Jesus asks James and John. It's the question he asks Bartimaeus. I believe he's still asking it. When you and I pray, this is the question in a sense we're asking. Yes, we give thanksgiving. We've talked about that before in prayer. We adore and we praise God. That's a part of our prayer. We confess for sure. But ultimately, you're going to get to a time of supplication and petition and asking. And that's really a response to the question, what do you want me to do for you? What would your answer be? Philip Brooks, who was a pastor back in the uh, 18th century here in the Boston area. In fact, there's a statue of him outside the State House in Boston. He said this. He said, pray the largest prayers. You cannot think of a prayer so large that God, in answering it, will not wish you had made it larger. He said, pray not for crutches, pray for wings. That's a bold thing. What what is your prayer to God? What do you want me to do for you? How bold. Maybe you need to pray larger. But you need to have a response to that question. What do you want? George Wood was the superintendent of the Assemblies of God for about uh, 12 years, the Assemblies of God USA. And in one of his sermons, he told this story about his sister. He said, when I was a boy, my sister left our home in Pennsylvania and traveled to Central Bible College, also the alma mater of Pastor Marvin Thomas. She had a lifelong problem with her eyesight. She had 20% vision in one eye and 50% vision in the other and wore thick Coke bottle glasses. During a fall revival at Central Bible College, she had been praying at the altar and saw a vision of Jesus on the cross. She felt a voice saying to her, Doris, take off your glasses. In those years, if you wore glasses, you were prayed for on a regular basis that you would be healed. My sister had had enough of that. She said no. Again, 
she felt the voice say to her, Doris, take off your glasses. Again, her response was no. A third time, while she was having the vision of Jesus on the cross, she felt the voice say to her, Doris, take off your glasses. She sensed it might be the Lord, so she prayed, Lord, if I take these glasses off, I don't want to ever put them on again. She let God know what she wanted. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, if I take these glasses off, I don't want to ever put them on again. The vision disappeared. She opened her eyes and she had perfect sight. And at the time of this sermon that Pastor George Wood preached it, he said, it's been 50 years. She has never put on a pair of glasses to this day. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus stands before you and says that question, what would be the answer you have? You may be shocked that God cares about what you want, but he does. You should tell him. Maybe uh, you don't think God cares about what you want, but you and I need to have the perspective of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, you're merciful. I don't deserve it, but have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now, perhaps if you're, as you're listening to this sermon, you're thinking, okay, all right, pastor, now, how do I tell God what I want and do it in a way that brings glory to him so I can get what I want? How do I tell God, these are my desires, this is what I want, but let me say it in a way that gets the yes answer Bartimaeus got and not the no answer James and John got. If that's where you're at, hang on for point number two. (laughs) Here's point number two. When you pray, God's response to your prayer is always designed to help you follow Jesus more. God's response is always designed to help you follow Jesus more. This isn't a message about how to get God to do what you want. That's not what these two passages are about. I do believe God invites us to bring to him and to tell him what we want, but this isn't a message about how to get God to do what we want. I told you that both these stories have the same result, and I think they do, and the result is this. Both of them bring both James and John and Bartimaeus closer to Jesus. They both, both the responses to their request and to their prayer results in God hearing them, Jesus heard them, Jesus speaking to them, Jesus responding, and the response is ultimately to make them more like Jesus, to make them better followers. I mean, think about the response he gave James and John. Yes, he said no to their request, but that wasn't all he said. He said, because the disciples I'm making are not disciples who are worried about ruling over others. I'm creating disciples who serve. I'm creating disciples who, who the, the greatest is gonna be the greatest slave, the greatest servant. These are the followers I'm making. So no, I can't say yes to your request, but I want you to know why. Because I want you to be a servant because that's what I am, Jesus says. Jesus says the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And so his response is 
bringing them closer to be more like Jesus, to be better followers of Jesus. And think about the response Bartimaeus got. Yes, he got healed of his sight, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is, and he followed him. That's what it resulted in. That's always the result that God is looking for in prayer, that we would be better followers of him. If you're blind and you want to see, then you should bring that to the Lord in prayer. God may heal you in that moment, or he may not. But whatever the answer is, as you bring that, his answer will help you follow him more closely. If you want to rule over people, you should bring that to the Lord in prayer. Just know he may tell you, I want you to serve people. And this answer helps you follow him more closely. I don't know why it is that sometimes we're hesitant to bring our wants to God. It's not as if he doesn't know what we want. He does invite us to vocalize it. He said it to Bartimaeus. Do you think he couldn't have figured out that Bartimaeus wanted to see? But he still says, what do you want me to do for you? Wanted Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want? And have you brought that to the Lord in prayer? He may say yes and grant it. He may say no. But whatever response he gives you, it's so that you can become a better follower of him. Prayer has uh, recently been in the news a lot more than I think it had been um, maybe uh, prior to January 2nd. January 2nd, 2023, when Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills uh, spent, uh, went down on the field and spent um, quite a bit of time, over 10 minutes being really having his life saved and resuscitated right there on the field, came very close to dying on a football field. Uh, it was, if you were watching it like I was at the time, it was sad and heartbreaking and also pretty interesting to see the way people responded because all of a sudden everyone was okay with prayer. There were a lot of people that were talking about prayer in that moment. They didn't know what else to say, but they were talking about prayer so much so that Dan Olaski on ESPN, he didn't just say, let's pray for Damar. He actually on the air prayed for Damar Hamlin. And his healing. And he didn't get canceled. He still got a job, but he prayed on ESPN uh, for DeMar's healing. Last week when I was watching the playoff game between Jacksonville and Tennessee, I saw something I thought I would probably never see at an NFL game when I saw two teams come out to the center of the field. Not just the captains, but the entire teams kneel down for a moment of silence and prayer for Damar Hamlin. And the interesting thing is God answered those prayers. Last week, Damar was in the locker room with the Buffalo Bills, and today as they take the field, it's knowing that Damar is uh, going to be all right, and whether he'll play football again I think is another question, but he's alive and well. God answered their prayer. 
And the answer is designed to help people follow God more closely. Did they? Did it? Did anyone follow God more closely? I'm not sure. I certainly haven't heard as much about thanking God for answering the prayer as I heard about the prayers that were being offered. But I don't know. That doesn't mean that there's not somebody that said, I wonder if God did hear those prayers. I wonder if there was a God listening. And maybe it did. There's someone it brought closer to him. Whichever way God answers, it's always in a desire to help us or help people become greater followers of him. Tell God what you want. And when he answers, it will be in an effort, whatever it is, to help you become a better follower of him. I thought about this in our church, life of our church a little bit. Uh, Some of you have heard this story, but I think it fits really well this morning. When we built the Family Life Center, that building out there across the parking lot about 13 years ago. And when we set out to build it, we were going to build a building. We wanted a place for our kids in our school to have a a gymnasium, a place where they can be after school and during school and have a place where, where, you know, 350 kids, we could, they could run around and We wanted a place for our church to have large activities, meals and fellowship together and our celebrations. We wanted a place where the community would come and come to our campus and give them a reason to come. And and they did come. In fact, this past week, you'll you'll see Burlington Youth Basketball Association would be in that building having their practices. People that would never even know Mount Hope was here know we're here. So those things came about, but how they came about, it's interesting because we started building this building and we went about building it and uh, we found out first of all that uh, that spot of land over there is, is really all fill and sand. And so we didn't know it, but we ended up having to put 200 and something pilings down to bedrock in order to secure the building and put the foundation on it. Well, that cost more than a little bit we expected, but it also cost more than the contractor expected. We started getting calls after the foundation was poured from our subcontractors. And the subcontractors were concerned because they weren't getting paid. Some of you may have seen this story before, maybe in your own life or others. And so we called the general contractor and we said, hey, you know, it's probably just a misunderstanding, but uh, you know, Some of the subs, for some reason, are calling us about getting paid. No problem, I'll take care of it. And then uh, the general contractor stopped calling. And we stopped hearing from him. And actually, he left the job, walked off the job. We didn't hear from him at all. Took his equipment, took took everything, and uh, including a good bit of our money. And we never heard from him again. And we're left with a foundation and no plan. And what do you do in that moment? You pray. Tell God what you want. Many nights at the end of the day, I would end my day by walking around the top of that foundation and just asking God to put a building on it. And then Edgar Bartlett walked in one day through that front door and he said, Pastor, we need to pray. And Edgar started a prayer meeting from noon to one, Monday through Friday, that met in the kids' church room right down the hall. And every noon, Monday through Friday, there were anywhere from three to a dozen people in there praying, asking God to move. 
And over the course of the next year or two, what happened was a $1 million project turned into a $2 million project and a one-year project turned into a three-year project. But it also grew the faith of a church to trust God to do what we could not do. And what we wanted was for to build a building. What we discovered was that God wanted to build his church, that God wanted to teach us to trust him. See, the way God answers prayer, the way God answers prayer, it is always about making us better followers of him. And in this case, perhaps doing something that was manageable in our eyes and in our strength and ability was not what God wanted to bring about. He wanted to bring about a people who would trust him, who would know him more. And God answers prayer helps us to do that. You might say, look at these two pastors and you say, well, they weren't praying. I mean, they weren't on their knees. They weren't in their quiet time. They weren't in their closet. They weren't. But what is prayer but talking to God? James and John were talking to Jesus. So was Bartimaeus. I think in, in this sense, I like the words of Dallas Willard who says, and maybe you'd think about this in 2023, don't seek to develop a prayer life, seek to develop a praying life. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You'll end up feeling guilty that you don't spend more time in prayer. Eventually, you'll probably feel defeated and give up. A praying life is a life that is saturated with prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. These disciples were talking to Jesus. Bartimaeus was talking to Jesus. That's what prayer is. What do you want me to do for you? They close with one final story that I just learned about this week. Last November uh, 27th, I think, we, uh, if you were here, we dedicated uh, a baby, Malaika, uh, daughter of Stefan and Sauda. And we dedicated this little baby and we celebrated what the Lord had done. Malika was born at 20, 21 weeks. And she spent uh, the first uh, months of her life in the NICU in Boston. And she's doing great today and God spared her life and she is growing and she is strong. And we celebrate with Stefan and Sauda what the Lord has done. And they both told me, they said, if she had been born in our home country of Uganda, she would not have lived. She would not have gotten the care that she needed, that she got here to be able to live. But then they told another part of their story. And the other part of their story is that they have another child, a son, Ezra, who they were not able to bring with them from Uganda and who is waiting there with family to get a visa to be able to come to the United States. He's three years old. And we told that story and we prayed and we asked God, 
And we said, thank you for the life of Malika, the way that she was born in this country. And, and they came here and they made the hard decision of saying yes to the visas that were granted them, even though one was not being granted to their son at the time. But they said, we feel like we have to go because this is such an unusual opportunity and it's so hard to get. And we'll trust that God at the right time will bring Ezra along. And so they said yes and made the hard decision that many of you have also maybe had to make about separating your family for a period of time because of the way the system works. And so they came, and but Ezra didn't. And we prayed on that day, and many of you have prayed since, God make a way, God make a way. And then last Thursday night in our mops group, Sauda was there. And she asked if she could share something for a minute. And she shared at mop, she said, I just want you to know that God answered your prayer. She said, we, uh, the process, and many of you know, the visa process, we just expect it. It's years. It's not easy. There's a lot of things to go. And with COVID backing everything up, we just, we, we, we knew it was going to be a long time before Ezra would be able to come. It was going to be a years-long process. But this, but last week, we, we sent our stuff in, and within days, the United States got back to them and approved it. And then they said, well, it's going to be another year for Uganda to approve it. They sent it over to Uganda, to the embassy, and in days, they heard back and got an approval that Ezra can come and be with them. And Stefan said to me, he said, we printed out that email multiple times to make sure that they had it right. The Lord hears your prayer. Tell him what you want. What do you want me to do for you? And his answer is always going to be to bring you closer to him and help you be a better follower of him. God answers prayer the same way every time. God answers every prayer the same way, and that answer is always to help you. will be used to help you come closer to Him. So pray like this, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, this is what we want. Daily bread, not to be led into temptation, to be delivered from evil, to have our sins forgiven. This is what we want, Lord. But let us not forget how we start that prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we humbly recognize that we don't understand how all of this works. God, I don't understand why you allow us to play any part in this process. And yet you do. You invite us into your plan. You invite us into your will. You invite us to bring to you those things that we want and desire. And you come to us and you say, what do you want me to do for you? And you invite us to bring our petitions and our requests. 
Lord, I pray as a church, I pray that we would be honest with you. What is in our hearts that we want? And then, Lord, I pray that we would receive from you sometimes a word of correction that says, that's not what I want for you. That's not my will for you. That's not my desire for you. I'm trying to bring about something different in you. I'm trying to make you a disciple who will follow me and will look like Jesus. And then, Lord, when we receive an answer that's yes, and you meet a request that we would celebrate and we would recognize who you are. Lord, God, whatever it is, Lord, help us in 2023 as we seek your face and we seek your will to come to you honestly, to be able to answer that question, what do you want me to do for you? And to trust you with the response. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the team gets ready to sing, I would, I'd ask you to be able to answer that question. So before you stand, and you can stand whenever you're ready, but before you stand, be able to answer that, either write it down or answer it in your heart. What do you want me to do for you? As if Jesus is standing before you, what would your answer be? I had one professor, I loved the way he put it. He, he said it this way. He said, he said, tell God what you want, and if it's good, he'll give it to you. I think that about sums it up. If it's good, if it's good for you, if it's good for his plan and his will, he'll give it to you. Tell God what you want. What do you want me to do for you? Answer that question and then join in as the team leads us.